Welcome to our podcast, proudly brought to you by VPA Australia, our trusted supplement provider since Unity Gym started. As sponsored athletes, we're excited to offer you a special 10% discount on top quality supplements that ship worldwide. Just use our discount code from the description. To avoid international shipping fees, contact VPA and tell them we sent you to get a flat shipping rate. Today's episode is also sponsored by the Flexibility Blueprint. Ever felt lost in the sea of social media fitness advice? The Flexibility Blueprint is your map to progress, designed to help you get laser focused on what matters most for your journey in flexibility and strength. And guess what? It's free. Grab it using the link in the description. If you're starting your flexibility journey, don't miss our 20 minute mobility routine. It's your first step to quick wins in flexibility. For those further along, use our Flexibility Masterclass, featuring advanced techniques like loaded stretching and end range strength for the pancake, front splits, middle splits, and more. Links for both are also in the description. And for the seasoned athletes, avoid the frustration of complex training puzzles with our UMS Tribe membership. It's a different online coaching experience with strength and flexibility combined. Don't forget, we're Amazon affiliates too. You can find all the equipment used in our videos and podcasts at the most competitive prices with our affiliate links in the description. Now let's dive into today's episode. (laughs) All right. How are we, Tribe? We're here with the pain management professor, Phil White, again. I love... Are you uh, running these down before you start? Because um, yeah. <laughs> no, they just come. They just come to me in the moment. Yeah. I go with it. Uh, <laughs> Phil is a, an old-time friend of ours, and anyone who knows us well will know Dr. Phil. Uh, he's been on our uh, podcast many times. He really dislikes me using uh, the the term Dr. Phil, but well, I am I, a doctor I, of physiotherapy, I, but technically no, not. Phil, so see, I, th- I think he's gotten used to it. I think he's. Uh, I think he embraces the Dr. <laughs> Phil status. And I'm going to throw my hat in the ring today as well. I won't say much today because I am still a little bit man flued up, but uh, I'm, I'm here. I'm not in the shadows today. Rocking the man flu. Rad is rocking the man. He's always behind the scenes, but he has been rocking the man flu. And I've kept him off the mic because it sounded like he was trying to speak underwater with uh, all sorts yeah. in his nose. Tough anyway, man. how are you today, Phil? Yeah, really well. Um, we got a bit of flu going around our household as well, but I've somehow dodged it with my, you know, incredible immunity somehow. So feeling good. And yeah, just loving being back on the show and talking about this stuff. And particularly, yeah, I've, I've been uh, writing a lot recently about all things health and fitness, uh, very much inspired by what we used to do back in, in the day. Some of the key topics we used to talk about. And then it's really nice coming back to podcasts, having written a bit because you start to, it all just starts to really like flow nicely in your brain and uh, give so many good ideas and and see it works. That's good. Absolutely. Yeah. Look, the the it's it, the the way that we work here. Uh, I Rad and I'll film a podcast, and then I will transcribe the podcast, and then I'll turn that into uh, one, two, or multiple articles, and then I'll go back through and read those articles, and I will dig into uh, like elaborate on key points and turn those key points into an article, and then I'll read that and go, oh, that'll make a really good podcast episode, and so it creates this cyclical loop yeah, of amazing content creating my work I'm, I'm mostly doing twitter and i guess for you it's the email list hey yeah that's that's right yeah. that's so right and the, the, our guys are starting to re uh uh reuse the um the, the the blog articles that go on the website and in our newsletter uh to create content off the back of that again so it gets sort of rehashed and we use them to create new scripts for new videos so yeah there you, it's, go. you it's, can listen and read our work constantly all day every day like you. <laughs> that's right never escape it's, yeah. it's like a bubble of unity and and feel what 
That's if anyone's wondering, looking on the video, that's me in the bubble of unity and Phil White. If you're listening on the podcast, uh, we also put, pop these up on YouTube. Uh, so, you know, we've had a couple of great discussions lately and we're getting absolutely flooded with, uh, with questions from people uh, who are um, uh, injured, you know, overcoming whatever injury. The most common for us is lower back pain and, and shoulder pain. Uh, we seem to have a lot of slap tears uh, in our in our community, people have who have yeah, who but it's actually people who aren't getting injured doing your work. It's a, they're finding you as the answer. So. No, that's right. Yeah. That's, right. <laughs> so that's not a surprise. That's because of the slap tear yeah. video that I've got on YouTube. That's up to like fifteen thousand views now. So people yeah. are obviously watching that and going, "Wow!" Ah, yeah. that's yeah. I was I was wondering how how people were finding us for slap tears. Uh, anyway, anyway, um, there's a couple of things that I want to talk about today, and the most the most important is that, uh, and we sort of touched on this in an earlier podcast. I want to get your opinions on the variables that we can manipulate to manage load, and this is part of the bigger picture load management story that most people tend to get wrong in the gym, and it can be broken into so many different subcategories and uh, and and really taken in many different directions and, and discussions. But most importantly, uh, for the purposes of this conversation and making it relevant for our tribe who are working out in the gym, uh, what are the variables that we can manipulate uh, to manage load? And by managing load, I mean, uh, well, actually, you know what, Phil, because we stole this from you, why don't you give us your load management analogy, the bucket, the cup, the, uh, the swimming pool, and just explain load management first. Let's start there. Yeah, cool. It's been a while between that analogy. So um, I might just talk about how I'm currently thinking of it because, yeah, it's something that just comes up over and over again because unless you've got an injury where you have kind of a, one acute mechanism like a rolled ankle or something like that or a torn ACL or um, you know, it's, it's typically these like overused chronic injuries come about from a loading error that comes from uh, maybe not approaching training in the most optimal ways. Now, acute injuries can definitely happen when you're overloaded, not recovering well, uh, fatigued, but uh, most commonly, yeah, it's these kind of chronic tendinopathies, uh, cartilage damage and, and all these things that can be um, really down to the load management. So if you think about load management in two different uh Factors. So I used to call it the macro and micro load as the two big categories, but now I've actually changed that to the what and the how, just to simplify things. So the what would be basically your program, uh, what you're doing, uh, how much you're doing. So you're, you're, what you're doing each day, what you're doing as part of your whole program, uh, how much rest you're getting in the in between sets, in between reps, how your uh, you know the tempo of the exercise, the exercise selection, all of the the yeah all of the what's basically, and that's coming down to the big picture, how much load you're getting in total as a week and then over time. And if you're increasing that too quickly or um, you know, maybe being really gradual, you'll have a different response to um, the load. So then the how, which I used to call micro load is basically in the moment of the exercise, how you're doing the exercise will have an influence on the loading of the uh, exercise. So you know, not all squats are equal. If you dive bomber squat with as in doing no eccentric loading. If you just drop to the bottom with uh, a bunch of weight in your back and you don't have very good technique and come back up, that's going to be quite a different response to the body than a slow eccentric with a pause at the bottom and bracing throughout. So that's the exercise technique of the how, and you know that's the relevant in gym exercise, but then also you know running 
technique or sports throwing technique, all of the how of the completion of the exercise is going to have a influence on um, what you're doing. So on the complete load of the system. So, and the reason why that matters is like stress to the body or strain, if we, if we call it like strain to the body from training is what makes us stronger, but it only, the body only adapts if you give it adequate time and adequate recovery. And so if we're looking at how to get that right, then we think about the total load on the system. And then if something goes wrong, we look, okay, where has it gone? Where have we done too much too soon or not given adequate recovery or just overloaded compared to what the body is used to? Yeah, you could say, I guess, um, in some uh, ways that there is both a positive or healthy adaptation to the stress or, or load and there's also unhealthy uh, adaptations to the stress or load. And uh, Rad, you're sleeping on the camera there, mate. Uh, and got, got to myself. <laughs> <laughs> uh, he's, he, he's there in the background, but we don't really know if he is there in the background. Uh, the, the, what I was saying is there's, there's both, I guess, a positive and a negative adaptation that can occur from exercise. And um, the, the negative adaptation is obviously when you walk away and there's some, you know, you know there's something wrong you've hurt yourself or you've, you've triggered an old injury or, you, you know, you, and I guess you've mismanaged load. Would, um, would that be right? Yeah, basically like the, yeah, there's definitely the, the positive and if, if you're recovering well, if you're doing it appropriately, like you will get stronger. That's the only way that the body adapts is by getting a strain on the body. And yeah, if, if adapting goes well, but the same exercise that can be the thing that makes someone stronger uh, can also you know, completely injure someone if not done appropriately. So yeah, it's so context dependent. And um, that's where I think this discussion of the, it, you know, it's not the exercise that injures you, it's the way you do it. Because so many times you hear like people on the internet being like, oh, I never do X, Y, Z um, exercise. Or you have a physio telling you like never deadlift because it's bad for your back or things like that, where they really vilify the actual exercise itself and not looking at how that exercise can be in the context of all the different loading variables. So, you know, someone with excellent programming doing really progressive overload of the different variables, which I think we'll jump into in a second part of the what framework. So looking at the actual exercise variables in the moment, um, that'll be very different if you progressively overload each of those compared to going into maybe a group fitness class where you've never done deadlift before in your life and you're gassed from having done a, like a, sprint on a bike and then you get jump straight into a deadlift and then you just rip straight into it. So the, the context really matters. So definitely the same injuries that hurt you can are also the same injuries that are going to make you stronger and better. And I have very personal experience with this because uh, tendinopathies are one of my favorite injuries to manage and they're, they're all about uh, load management. And it was one of the most common uh, injuries in when we were training at Unity Gym because people got into calisthenics and lots of grip work uh, and haven't really, you know, many people hadn't really done that much before. So but it was like one of the only injuries I haven't actually had because I've had most of them, but I hadn't had golfer's elbow up until then. But I kind of wanted to show people that it was exactly the same injuries that would hurt me would also be the same ones that rehab me. So I did as many pull-ups, uh, as many chin-ups as I could uh, as possible in a week and as many wrist curls as I could in a week. And that sure enough gave me tendinopathy. But then at the same token, it was then the load management of dosing it correctly, giving it adequate rest and recovery, uh, that also meant that those same exercises end up being the thing that strengthened the tendon and, and made me feel better. So yeah, it's, it's not the exercise that gets you, it's how you do it. That, and that's such a great segue into where, where I want to take this discussion because there are obviously ways that you could have 
continued to make that worse. Uh, and there's the positive uh, outcome that you had. And those two paths were, you know, were, were uh, quite different, but you still did the same exercise. You know, you didn't stop doing pull-ups. Uh, and, and so why don't we talk about what you did change, the variables that you did change? Uh, because this is where I think most people sort of get training a little bit um, uh, wrong. You know, there's, and I said this offline before we, we started rec uh, recording, you know, there seems to be this, like, there's no gray area in people's mindset around the depth of a movement or the load. It's you're either going max effort or you're, sort of not training or you're going full depth uh, or you're doing partial range. But we actually yeah. teach people at Unity um, and, and in the UMS app, you know, very quickly that range is a variable just like intensity. Just And, and when we say intensity, just for the, everyone playing at home, we're speaking about the 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 weight that we're putting on a barbell or the, the weight that we're holding in our hands with dumbbells or kettlebells or whatever that might be that you're using. Uh, that's the intensity variable. Um, but we manipulate range of movement just um the same as we manipulate intensity and also volume you know sets and reps and and yeah. and uh time under tension with uh with tempo so why don't you go through how you did it with your pull-ups uh and your um uh wrist exercises to you know f overcome the or, or rehab the uh the tent uh, the uh elbow pain yeah for sure so i think starting off with uh looking at you know this is all in the um, in the what, so this is the, the programming side of things, as, as we talked about the load management before, and this is looking at within an exercise, uh, it's the five variables to talk about is yeah, intensity. So that, as you said, weight in the bar or in the dumbbells or mechanical disadvantage in a calisthenic exercise, for example, then it's going to be volume. So sets, reps, uh, yeah, time under tension, rest between sets, all of those, those factors, range of motion. So how deep the movement is and, um, or you know how far full the through full range of motion, or are you just doing an isometric hold, so just in one position? Then it's going to be speed. So basically, how uh, intensely are you controlling the movement? So this is like this, I guess, is more of that time under tension. Are you dive bombing, or are you uh, slowly contracting and, and doing it with lots of control and bracing? And then the complexity or movement selection is the fifth one. So yeah, as you said, like people do get so hung up on on depth, particularly. And I, I've kind of coined this as like as a bit of there's a bit of movement purism out there where people are like oh it doesn't count unless you're asked to grass or it doesn't count unless you're this that and the other and it just becomes so unhelpful because it just means that people completely close off options for like both progression and and particularly in the injury space of, of, of rehab completely ruling out certain exercises like squats because like oh if I'm not doing an asked to grass squat then it's a bad squat and it's you know not <laughs> not real so. Yeah, being able to identify each of those five variables in the strength setting and be able to, this is where working with a physio if you do have an injury and identifying, okay, is it the intensity that is the most aggravating factor? Like, is it uh, load dependent? How much extra weight I'm putting in the bar makes it more painful? Is it the volume? So am I fine for like two sets, but by the fifth set, it starts to get sore? Is it um, the range of motion? So can I squat to, uh, you know, parallel or and it's fine with a heavy weight or is it, you know, is it painful to even do like a body weight squat down to, um, you know, ass to grass, then the speed. So if I really control the movement, brace and do slow eccentrics, pauses and, and coming back up, does that feel better than dive bombing and adding lots of speed or, um, you know, uh, elasticity to the, the movement? So that, that kind of rebounding impact. And then if, uh, for example, with the, the chin-ups now, um, with 
the chin up being the supinated grip, so your palms facing towards you, that's going to make it very much a bicep um, movement. When you're looking at a pull-up, it's going to be a combination of lats and biceps as being the sort of main prime movers. You've got to be rear delt there for extension as well. But um, it's going to be more on the bicep side than a uh, pronated, so your um, palms facing out. That's going to be less bicep in the movement. So it means that when we're looking at exercise selection, that can be a really nice variable where um, particularly in this rehab example of golfer's elbow, going to a neutral grip or even a um, you know a pronated uh, pull-up is a nice way of being able to unload that that area that I'd overloaded with the chin-ups and wrist curls. So to work through, I guess those five variables in that chin-up context, when I tried to injure it, I tried to go for you know as high intensity as possible. So no, like I didn't add extra weight on. Um, onto the chin-ups, I didn't wear a belt and add extra weight, but I went body weight uh, and volume wise, I went to failure. So I went as, as many as I could. And then I was working at the gym so I could just come out and whenever I had a chance, I'd just try and do as many chin-ups like to failure as possible. And then I didn't really give myself much rest because I did it each day of the week. So that's looking at the, um, the volume side of things and range of motion, a bit less relevant in this particular instance for pull-ups. So not really too much of a factor, um, but then the speed, does it like again less factor? I was trying to do eccentrics, but by the time you're at failure, you're just <laughs> sort of dropping from the top. And then yeah, exercise selection. I just did the same thing over and over and over again. So that's another thing. If you're doing um, lots of exercises that are similar muscle groups throughout the week, changing up the exercise selection to slightly change the um, the ratio of the different muscles is a nice way of uh, not injuring yourself. But I chose to do exactly the same thing over and over again, so I'd get exactly the same strain um, on the the tendons. So that's how I hurt myself. Does that all make sense? Yep. Absolutely. And then coming back into rehab, like the... Hey, if you're enjoying this podcast, I've got something that I think you'll get a lot of value out. It's called the Flexibility Blueprint. And it's an incredible course that Yanni and I have created to teach people all about stage one, stage two, and stage three flexibility. They are different. Like if you're a beginner at stage one, you don't want to be trying to train like somebody who's more advanced at stage two or stage three. And uh, the Flexibility Blueprint teaches you all of that, how to identify what stage you're at and how to take action so that you can level up in 28 days. It's totally free. In fact, it's the best free content we've ever created. And you'll see a link in the description for this podcast. So go and grab that. It's going to change your life, I promise you. And uh, if it doesn't, you can tell me and I'll figure out how I can change your life for the better. <laughs> I just looked to, to deload um, the intensity by doing uh, feet-assisted pull-ups. So I just, because with, with 10 off the rehab, generally the idea is you're trying to get enough uh, strain into the system that you're giving enough stimulus that your body realizes like, Hey, we better get these tendon fibers to, uh, start realigning in a productive way. Cause the tendinopathy is basically your tendon overloads. It tries to heal and it starts to do a real patchwork, uh, not very effective tendon. And so, uh, when it's past that kind of initial inflammatory stage, starting to get the load to the tendon again, to encourage really good remodeling is the way to go. So you do need actually adequate intensity. And so I was using, um, yeah, the feed assisted chin-ups as a way of doing that and unloading it slightly by going neutral grip if I could. Um, and then yeah, doing less volume. So like getting enough stimulus to uh, cause a bit of, um, you know, a, a stimulus, but then not doing it day after day, doing maybe two sessions a week with that. And then uh, the range of motion being probably less because it was at feet assisted. So I didn't have to go quite as far. And often that sort of stretch loaded on the tendon as well. And that full end of range motion in a passive hang, a bit more aggravating. And then exercise selection, as I said, uh, going to that uh, neutral grip, just unloading 
that particular part of the forearm a little bit more. So that's the the pull up example, and um, you know we could talk about the wrist curls, but hopefully that gives you an idea of like it's the same exercise, but just looking at changing a few of the variables. So I'm giving it the right dosage um, and giving it a chance to recover. How long did it take you to um, recover? I remember this. I remember when you were doing it. I was laughing <laughs> yeah. at you. <laughs> yeah, so it's definitely like you know I, I I went in a bit smug, like oh you know this like. This is how you do it. And then it definitely I remember, the time, I remember it. Like, I was like, what are you yeah. doing, man? I'm giving myself golfers over. I want to learn it. Yeah. Nice. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Because it's like, you know, as, as a physio, you learn very like protocol based, like do this and this is how oh, it, it heals. And you, you get like I loved it. research studies that, that are like, you know, this is the average of what happens. But you know, being the individual on the other side of that, like you can have so much variation between what, you know, research says versus <laughs> the individual yeah. experience. And, yeah. and yeah, I think like the injury mindset is so challenging. So one of the things that, yeah, it was, it was hard. And particularly when I was trying to train quite hard at the time, but my best, like the biggest advice is like, if you've got an injury, that's, you know, um, getting your upper body, like focus on your lower body for a while and make it not your entire focus. <laughs> I think we're probably going to talk about this in another episode more so, but, um, yeah, if you can, like what I had to do after a while was like, just, you know, disconnect a little bit from upper body gains as being my primary focus just to give it, um, you know, meaning that I didn't have to overload it again and again. Cause like a protocol is kind of easy. Um, of doing exercises, but then when you're trying to do training outside of that or uh, massaging as I was um, back then, like you start to get all these external loads in your in your day-to-day as well. So yeah, it's definitely tricky, but um, yeah, I mean, I don't have any issues with it now. I know a lot of people get really long-term, um, yeah, stuff with the forearms. Like I think it was probably around the like two to three months until it was completely pain-free, but I was perfectly functional, able to do whatever I um, wanted to do as well. So yeah, it wasn't a big factor. Yeah, I still certainly have little issues with my tendon, I believe. But I had, um, I've had it three times, like no- noteworthy three times. The first time was awful because I didn't have a clue. I was very young. Uh, I had a young training age, w- w- meaning that I'd only actually been doing strength training for about five or six years. Uh, I was still in that sort of it's early. For a lot of people, <laughs> yeah, I, I know. Yeah. I was still in that early bodybuilding yeah. uh, sort of goal phase where it was just try to get as big a pump as possible every single day and um yeah i just ignored it until it got really really bad and i got the now i know the world's worst advice you know i went and saw a physio that was working in the gym at the time and uh and they said you know you need to take two or three weeks off uh training and uh and and let it rest and uh, I actually, it, it actually got worse. You know, I came back yeah. after two or three weeks and the pain was far worse. It was instantaneous. The moment I picked up a warm up set of dumbbells, uh, it hurt. Uh, whereas in before it would sort of hurt only once I got to a decent weight, then, you know, with, um, with this sort of injury, as the body warms up, the pain threshold increases and you feel like, oh, maybe it's okay. But then after the workout, it feels awful. And, uh, yeah, so the first time round, I got the wrong advice, and uh, the rehab process was really, really slow. Like it dragged out for about eight, eight to twelve yeah, months. Yeah, often like kind of two, like having two weeks off in a really like acute flare up first time, like really kind of classic, kind of inflammatory overload, is not like the worst thing. Ideally, you do a little bit of you know light isometric work there, so you know holds and and stuff like that. But when it starts to be that people think that you know I can't load it until it's pain free and rest for longer and longer and longer. Uh, that's where it starts to become really problematic because it is that like, you need that sort of therapeutic dose to again, make it remodel effectively. And so what happens is people, you know, think, oh, I'm just not gonna touch upper body or not gonna do anything that hurts it for six, eight, 
you know, 12 weeks and then come yep. back thinking I've rested, therefore I should be back to where I was before and just get stuck in. And then your capacity over that time is really lowered. Um, and suddenly you've then exceeded that threshold and now you're back into um, pissing it off and it becomes this downward spiral. It's really bad. Yeah. Yeah. So the second time around was in unity when we were friends and you were working there and you basically said, just, I, I, I don't recall whether we did a specific session together or whether it was just during a workout, most likely just during a workout. And you said, does it hurt? Like whereabouts does it hurt when you're doing the pull-up? And we sort of found the angle and you said, all right, we'll just work in that angle. And so I did partial, effectively partial range pull-ups for a while and didn't overload it, didn't take it to failure. And and I did the same thing with biceps, like, you know, um, um, elbow curling and extending exercises. So biceps and triceps. And yeah, it just it, it probably only took a couple of weeks before it was pretty much gone. And the third time it happened was recently this year. Uh, and uh, strangely enough, this year, the only thing I did was I stopped training for progress, as we spoke about in an earlier um, uh, podcast. I just sort of flicked into upper body maintenance and I yeah. introduced some um, supination to pronation uh, exercises and some wrist um, uh, flexion and extension exercises back into my routine as a supplementary, like an auxiliary at the end of my workout and uh, didn't change anything else. And it went away, you know, probably, it probably took about a month to yeah. be completely symptom free. And then I went back to progressing my my weights again and my loads again. But I didn't stop lifting at all. I didn't change any of my routine or program. I added a little bit of extra work in. And uh, I always just sort of analyze other variables like am I sleeping enough? Am I eat, consuming enough dietary protein? Uh, you know, what's my diet looking like? I had a very interesting experience lately where um, in the last couple of months, and this is completely off topic, but um, still injury, I started to get joint pain it, like everywhere. Uh, it first started in my wrists and my hands. And I started to think, oh my God, I think I'm getting like some sort of arthritis or something because I'm boxing again, you know? And I thought, initially I thought, okay, this is just initial adaptation. I need to back the boxing off a little bit. And uh I sort of just toned it down a little bit, but then it started to, I started to feel it in my ankles and my knees. And I was like, wow, uh, this is like inflammation, systemic inflammation or something. And so, you know, I, I, um, what, what you do when you've got uh, AI as an assistant now, I jumped onto uh, chat GPT and started putting in all of my symptoms and uh, it sort of sets, you know, came back. So it always gives you that I'm, I'm not a doctor, but uh, it could be a number of things and listed off a bunch of things. And then, you know, one of the suggestions was to supplement curcumin. And I started supplementing curcumin about five days ago. And the experience has almost completely gone, uh, which I found really, really interesting. I was like, oh, wow, that stuff this sort of works you know like yeah well, as, uh, as a you know registered health professional i'd have to recommend against using ai as your your primary uh you got good results just as a you know professional right. responsibility to, to put that out there but, yeah i mean the, um <laughs> but that's a really good thing to point out is yeah yeah uh so good to good to use ai but definitely yeah, work with health professional. Yeah, so, yeah. Look, look. Yeah. I I would not recommend anyone do that. But I, you have to understand, from my perspective, I am somewhat of a healthcare professional. You know, I've been in the industry for a long time, and I have, have like 
I have the mental fortitude to be able to spot something that would be entirely wrong. Um, but it just helps me rem re remember things that I've learned in the past and go, oh, hang on, because supplementing curcumin and things like that for inflammation uh, and cutting back on uh, highly processed, you know, um, uh, carbohydrates, sugars, fats, uh, and and things like that is stuff that I've I've learned a lot before, but I I just looked at it and went, oh, okay, yeah, I'm going to try those things. But yeah. anyway, look, um, to bring this back on on to topic, and maybe just quickly finish uh, uh, finishing up with a summary of uh, the key point here, which is that loading uh, is something that every single person must take into consideration irrespective of whether you've got huge audacious goals in fitness or whether you're just trying to manage some sort of discomfort pain or injury that you've had in the past because you get a stimulus of load sitting in a chair you know and if you just sit in a chair for a long period of time it will most likely overload certain areas of your body if you, if you don't get up and move around and change the um the ratio of muscles that are firing uh, it can happen doing almost anything. And so, you know, you, you really should understand it, it's, it's worth understanding this sort of thing. Uh, and, and then, uh, particularly if you're in the gym where it's most applicable is to not be so black or white with your training and, um, remember that it's never the exercise that hurts you. It's never, it, we, I see so many comments saying hammer curls gave me elbow tendonitis or, um, uh, you know, um, uh, deadlifting gave me back pain or, you know, it's, it's not the, the exercise that hurts you. It's the, it's the mismanagement of load, the piss poor load management. I used to say that, uh, that hurt you. And, uh, you, you, you've got to consider all of the different loading variables, um, Phil, just so that I don't take the limelight. Why don't you finish by just quickly summarizing the loading variables that you like to work on with your patients yeah so just quickly like I, I just like to yeah think about a ladder and basically with any injury like you never want to get off the ladder entirely you just want to go down enough rungs uh to be able to keep the adequate stimulus so that you don't go completely backwards uh and and lose conditioning so that might mean even if you're in like a cast and you're completely injured and you can't walk you can do by uh, contralateral training where you get the neural stimulus like there's always something you can do to basically be maintaining some level of conditioning there and then yeah working with a professional or really if you're very dialed in and know this sort of stuff is figuring out those different variables. So the intensity, volume, range of motion, speed of movement or control, and then exercise complexity or yeah, exercise variations and knowing which levers you can pull there to basically go down the fewest amount of ladders, uh, ladder rungs as you need to uh, make sure that when you come back to work on that area again, once it's healed or um, once you want to focus on there again, that you can uh, yeah make really good progress and not go backwards. Awesome. Awesome. Well, there you have it. Now, before we wrap up, uh, if you're watching on YouTube, please make sure that you've uh, gently caressed the like button. And uh, that what that does is help us uh, help you. It helps us get this content out in, uh, in front of more people and uh, grow as a channel. And if you haven't already, um, subscribe to the channel and, and hit the little notification bell so you know when we go uh, and post something new. Uh, if you're listening on the podcast, it really does go a long way. If you give us a review, five stars uh, never goes astray. And um, if uh, you'd like to connect with Phil, where's the best place that they can find you, Phil? Uh, my website is quite simple. It's my name, Phil White, and then dot me. So nice and simple to jump on there. And yeah, if you want to follow any of my work, I'm posting every day on Twitter, writing an article every day about all this kind of stuff. So always open to questions and happy to help with whatever uh, questions you have and go to depth to answer them. Amazing.
Amazing. All right, guys, until next time, uh, it's adios from me and Phil and Rad in the background there um, uh, doing the camera uh, mixes and angles and uh, coughing um, every once in a while. No, they can't hear me coughing because I'm muted. <laughs> You're See muted, mate. See you soon, everybody. Uh, we can't hear you. Oh, you can't hear me. They can. <laughs> oh, okay. All right. See you soon, everybody. <laughs> See ya.